Hello, and welcome to Master the Start, hosted by Bobby Mason and presented by GoMahi.com. In this week's episode, Brady Reesgraff returns to continue the adventures and trials he and Bobby have faced together over the years. We last left off with the two at a crossroads, which had the potential to end both their business ties and their friendship. Where did they go from there? What lessons did they learn? And how could it help mend their relationship? All these answers and more await on episode 37 of Master the Start with guest Brady Reesgraff. Okay, Brady Reesgraff, welcome to the Master the Start podcast for episode number two together. Wow, yeah. that's pretty exciting, pretty exciting. Our community liked episode number one. And for all of you that didn't watch part one, I guess I shouldn't say episode number one. It was really episode number 21. But for all of you that didn't listen to episode 21, Brady Reesecraft part one, you should listen to that first because, frankly, you need the context before we kind of dive into the latter half of our relationship. You need to know what we did at the beginning. We started a company called Three Timbers. We started at like 15, 16. We did some things right. We made some mistakes. And now we're into more of the present day stuff. (laughs) So that was a quick summary. You'll have no idea what's going on. So make sure you go listen to episode 21. Right, Brady? 100%. Need the context. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I think, well, really, we left off with a teaser last time. Okay. So I don't know if you remember this completely, but we left off with this teaser of Two best friends pretty much destroying a business and a friendship together. So the last thing we kind of explained was, you know, towards the end of our run at Three Timbers, we started to put the business before our friendship. And that's when everything started to take a dive. And I think it's really important for people that are mastering the start of business or mastering the start of relationships to really understand what mistakes we made and how we're doing it different with our new company. So I think let's start out with what do you believe our final breaking point was? And then I'm kind of interested to see if we both have the same opinion on what the breaking point was and how do you believe we could have prevented it, I guess, from your perspective. Yeah, and I I think I don't know how much of this we went over in, in uh, episode twenty one, but um, I don't I don't remember there being like at least on my end like there was never like a and I think this is probably why it's worse, but there was never like a event and then like f this I'm out, you know? Um, I I never had that on my end. Um, and you you might have had that more, but um, I never had like a you know, like it, like I can't, I can't take this anymore. Um, because of X event, um, for me. And we, I think we did talk about this a little bit here or, um, on pocket thoughts, but, um, it was like, it was a culmination. It was like six weeks or whatever it was, eight weeks, whatever it was up until it was probably longer than that. It was from like the beginning of, 
me jumping in the pool with my phone to <laughs> deciding that phones are unnecessary and unneeded. Um, and I'm sure my girlfriend at the time really appreciated that as well. So I was probably making plenty of people happy through that. Um, but I think it was just like from, from that point, I think without that, I, I don't think there are problems and maybe like down the road, but like uh, the problems that, that we ended up having um, was all, I think, like lack of communication. Um, and that is 100% on myself. Um, but that's kind of what I saw is just like lack of communication. I didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know what I was doing. Um, not even for each other. We didn't know like what other people were doing in, in the company. We didn't know like where, where, where we were getting business, how we were doing business, how long projects were taking, what projects we were doing on a daily basis. Um, and I think on top of that, then it was just like, we weren't conversing about the stuff, like us being us first and foremost, you know? Um, and anytime we had to talk, it was like, we need to talk about this business thing now because like, we don't have time to talk about the other, like the stuff that we normally talk about, you know, like the fun stuff and the stuff that we like to dive into, um, or just like spending time together. It was just like, we need to talk about this and we need to talk about it now because as of 6am tomorrow, we need to have this ready. You know what I mean? Um, so I think like for me, it was like eight weeks of lack of communication. And then it just got to the point where it was just like, this isn't enjoyable anymore. And, um, because I, we like, there was just absolutely no communication. And I, I think even like I, when we, when we like had the fallout or whatever you want to call it, um, I still don't think I had a phone at that point. And that was like mid July. And I broke my phone like at the very start of like we were still in school when I broke my phone. So um, it's a like I, I don't know what the actual time frame was, but like eight plus weeks without a phone. Um, but so for me, it was more of like a culmination than like, a, oh, my God, this one thing happened. I can't believe this happened. I won't stand for it. I'm out. Yeah, that's that was that was my take, though. And I'd say it's for sure the communication deal. And, you yeah. know, I think people might listen to this and think. Wow. You know, Brady was really at fault. He didn't, he didn't talk to his business partner for six weeks. But the thing is, my communication also was horrible. And really to give some context here. So we're running a company called Three Timbers. It's a landscaping company. I think at that point, we maybe had 10 employees, you think? About maybe a little bit like 10 to 12, I'd say, like on a given day, I think. Yeah. Yep. So at that point, we have 10 to 12 employees. And yeah, that summer, Brady's phone fell in the water. And then Brady actually had to have surgery as well. Mm. And I can't remember. What did you have again? I had my appendix removed. Oh, yeah. Appendicitis. Remember? Yes. It's like, yeah. hey, dude, I'm not feeling good. Oh, by the way, I'm in the hospital. I'm getting surgery. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the first yeah. time you talked to me in three weeks. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. But essentially, so he had a... Like he said, a culmination of a few things. And yeah, he probably could have reached out. But at the same time, you know, communication in a business is really important from the standpoint of you need as a partner to try to make things work. And that's how we left it off last time. We kind of said, you know, we put the business first and not the relationship. And that's where my communication sucked. Like at that point, you know... I was doing business with Brady and I, and we pretty much brought my brother in as a partner in a sense, just for the lakeshore stuff because we needed a scuba diver. And, you know, when Brady stopped communicating, 
instead of me trying to make it work, which ultimately probably would have saved the business and made the business a whole lot better than what it ended up being, I actually just kind of let it be because I want an excuse to push him out. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever said that to Brady before necessarily, but I think just in that moment, I was like, you know what? The business needs more than what Brady can give in this moment. Um, I have a partner that I trust and see every day because we live together at home at that point. And frankly, in my mind, I was just like, I don't want to deal with the challenge. And back then, when I was running Three Timbers or running any other companies in college, and this was one of my biggest flaws, when I was hit with a challenge, I frankly wanted to either unload the company or unload the people that I was working with instead of facing the challenge head on. So I think the big thing was communication wise, I could have communicated like I could have done better. But every single week that went by, it gave me another week to plan how I was going to push them out. And like, that's very problematic, especially if you're trying to run a business and have a successful partnership with your best friend. Well, I think, I think like two, two parts of that. I think first off it's a lose lose because like we said like, oh yeah, the business came first. And I think, I think it did. But the problem is like the options at that point were don't put the business first. We put, um, our friendship first, which obviously should have, should have happened. But, um, then you spend that like 30 minutes of time that we were talking like once a week on like, Hey, what are you doing? How are you doing? And not get the business stuff done. And then the business falters or vice versa. Like you talk about the business stuff and then like the personal stuff falters, which obviously you can't have the business after the personal stuff falters. So like, in my opinion, I, I think it was a lose lose. Like there wasn't a good option because of how like me not having a phone or, or communication or whatever. The second part is I, I think that's, I think that the aspect of like facing the challenge and dealing with it instead of just like running from the problem is, and this could be in my opinion, but I've seen it with a lot of people is like a, a problem of like perfection or like perfectionists because like for you and I, I know you well enough, but like for you, you would rather do 110 hours of work, like know exactly what's getting done, know the level of work that's being done rather than saying like, I could do 80 hours of work and then like have to worry about this other like 30 hours. Like it doesn't matter who, like you can be partnered with like anybody in the world. doesn't matter how talented they are. Like you would rather just be like, I know no matter what, like I can get this done on my own. So I'll go do it. Like, and I think that's a problem. I I've seen it like now being like through, through grad school, um, being in industry, like you have problems on teams where it's like, someone's like, I'm capable of doing this work. I, I can just like, I'm going to go do it. Even if it's going to give me an extra 20 hours or whatever, like I'm going to do it because like, I know what standard I hold myself to. And like, obviously it's always a detriment to the group. And regardless of whether it is like the, the like a teammate's fault or whoever's fault. But I think it's like a huge downfall. Cause I, I fall into the same category. Like I would rather go ahead and say, you know what, I'll take on that work because I know I can do it. Then saying like, it's going to take me a month or two months to try and figure out this problem. Why don't I just do it myself? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that's like a terrible downfall because I've got the same, or I think I'm a lot better at it now, but I, I was very much in the same boat um, even a, a year or two ago. So, um, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I've, I've seen that a lot. 
No, I think you're 100% right. And I know we're already going down our first tangent. But (laughs) I do have to say to all those people that are honestly at the start of their business career, or even if you're, you're 30 years in, I guess it doesn't matter. I think one of the most valuable things I have learned over the last year is just straight up delegating tasks. Like a year ago, I was still that guy Brady was just uh, basically explaining. I was the guy that needed to do everything. I didn't trust anything. It was anybody. It was my baby. I wanted to take care of it. And over the last year, you know, legitimately any task, I'm I'm serving off to people that are interns. I'm outsourcing it. Because I just figure at this point, you know, them creating something is better than nothing at all. And even if they do mess up for a few weeks, we can sit down and reevaluate. Eventually, they're going to learn. Eventually, they're going to do better. And there's only one way for them to improve. And there's only one way for me to do better. The only way I can improve on all my other tasks is if I have more hours to do those tasks. So you need to delegate if you truly want to become successful. I truly believe that because it is so hard for some people that are perfectionists. And I couldn't agree more. It's like the, I like it's, it's the me phenomenon. Like I know I can do this. Why do I need help? But the problem is like you can't grow anything or like get to the next level. If you're taking on all that work all the time, because that means like you have, if you are working either with people or have people as employees, like they're not going to learn, they're not contributing. And it's just like the work of 10 people is still like what you said, maybe at the start. Yeah, there's going to be a learning curve. It's going to be tough. But like you not facing that problem is giving you insurmountable amounts of work that you're not going to be able to get done down the road for where you want to grow your business. So I I think that is an unbelievable point. Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk about the day that we actually sat down at the park to discuss how we were going to go about our our ways moving forward <laughs> which which was this uh the scuba diving day or was this at at like the the picnic area the, the picnic area got gotcha. it yep okay so because i think the picnic area was the last time we officially talked for like a long time i think you're probably right yeah yeah so we actually finally met up because we were trying to figure out how we were going to move forward with our lives because at this point you know you tried to make your friendship. I mean, remember, guys, this was the first time we have run a we had run a company. It's the first time we'd done anything. We had no operating agreement. We had nothing. And at this point, you know, the business had consumed us so much. At least me personally, I know for a fact. Like, I legitimately, in my guts, every single night, I was staying up late just thinking about freaking Brady and how <laughs> I needed to get him out of my life. Because just everything was so stressful. I was constantly worried about things. And so finally, we sat down at, I don't know, Lake Susan, Lake Ann, one of these parks Mm -hmm. in this little picnic area. And we talked through how we were going to move forward. And, you know, looking back at it, I, I honestly believe it had to be one of my stupidest conversations in my life. I, I, I remember sitting down. I couldn't remember the first thing. I just remember like the conversation was just like, God, this is going to suck. Like, let's just get this over with. That's like, like, I remember just going into it being like, well, like as long as this ends things perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? And we were probably Mm -hmm. both the same thing. It's just like, this has been so dreadful for so long that 
like I don't really care what happens. Let's just like make sure this is done here. <laughs> like, yes. And, that's all I remember. And you know, some deeper context, like we were just, we were throwing out just cr- random numbers to kind of unload each other. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we were saying, oh, the business is worth X or it's mm-hmm. worth this or that. And we had no idea. And we're like, we'll just pay this much over time. We didn't sign anything, nothing. It was legitimately just, we were both agreeing to anything so we could just walk away and be done with <laughs> exactly. it. Say the number and I'll, sure, all right. <laughs> we're just done. Like, yep. numbers didn't make sense for either of us. Like, no matter what, we were getting screwed. Like, well, I don't, the thing was, like, the numbers didn't come from anything. It was just like, how about 10,000? Like, how about 20,000? Like, how about 3,000? Like, there wasn't like, hey, what are our sales? Hey, what have we spent money on? Hey, like, how long have we had this? What have we put? Like, it was just like, let's just like put a bunch of numbers in a hat and pull them out. And let's just see, like, that's that's more or less what I remember it being. And I could be totally wrong there, oh, but that's what I remember it being. I 100% agree. Yep. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I think we can trace a lot of our problems there at the exit back to our beginning. And... And I think what's really important for people is to understand that the start matters. Like we would have not been in that situation if we would have been smart enough at the age of 14 and 15 to make operating agreements. We just didn't think it was needed, you know? And I think there are a lot of partners out there that say, no, we're best friends or we're family or we're brothers or we're sisters. We don't need an operating agreement because we trust each other and we're going to be friends for life. I wish that was the case. Brady and I are like the closest of friends or brothers. He's been in my wedding. Like I talk to him all the time. I love him to death. And because we didn't have an operating agreement, we screwed each other so hard that after that moment in the park, we probably didn't talk for a year plus. Yeah. I haven't, I honestly, like, I don't remember if it was six weeks or a year. I just remember. Yeah. It, like it wasn't even like a thought that crossed my mind. It was just like, like I, I know, just you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, but you're probably right. It probably was like, it had to be that long. Yeah. Because you went to school. Yep. That's what I, I was going to say. So, I, cause we weren't in the same vicinity at that point. We're out of high school. Yep. You're, you're probably right. And I didn't want to talk to you because I constantly felt like I screwed you. Like you didn't want to talk to me. Like both, it just, yeah, yeah, both ways. Yeah. So that anyone like at the start of anything, and I don't know what you think from like a corporate setting. Like when you're starting a business or when you become an employee, I think that contract's really important. Like that beginning contract can make or break your relationship with either the company or the business that you're starting. So actually take the time. I, I think even if you're an employee, like I even tell employees, I go, here's the deal. You should, you should maybe consider having a attorney look at this agreement and make sure it fits what you want. Because some of that legal jargon doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But just, you should actually analyze stuff before you start. Uh, no, I, I agree with that. I think um, on that on that note, I, like when looking back, yes, I think it, it, a lot of it can be traced to the start. Realistically, like looking back, like were we going to make an operating agreement at 14, 15? Like no chance. Like there's no, there's no possible way. Um, so like going back, even knowing that this happened, like what the hell would we have written up? Let's say, cause I, I think like 
I think it's amazing if kids are, are being able to start their own stuff at 12, 13, 14, whatever age it is, or even if you're 30, um, I think it's probably more realist, realistic for like the 20, 20 plus range to like write one up right away. When you're talking about like those kids at 14, like what's like, what's the good time or good range to write that up? Obviously day one is the right time to do that. But like in the scenario, like I think probably this is my opinion, like when we started to like purchase goods, I think that was probably like the time. Cause before that it was just like, we were doing very like manual labor and not that we didn't keep doing that, but we like, I'd say the first two years we didn't really have. And for the most part, like we did mowing, we did mulching, like very basic things. But then once we started getting into like, using your truck as an asset, like buying other things, like buying shovels. We break like six of your, of your, like your family's things. And we just be like, yeah, well, that's, that's just the way it is. You know, it's work. Like, but like, I think once we started having to like put money into it, even if it was coming from the company account, then like we should have, I, I think that's like the time when it doesn't matter if you're 14 or 30. Um, and, and maybe you have, you have a better idea cause you, you deal with this a lot more often. And I, I agree. Like, Obviously, we had no idea what we were going to do at 14. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're old enough and you're listening to this and you don't have one, do That's it. True. That's because, a good way. That's a good way to put it. Yep. Because we're pretty much just giving you experiences right now that you can learn from and then you won't have to fail at it. But I think another thing that you just brought up that made me think about what's really important at the start, whether you're starting a business or just running your life professionally at the start. You need to track your finances mm -hmm. because we did not do that. And I think that is another major problem we had because we would go months without sending out invoices. We would have employees that wouldn't get paid for four weeks at a time. And we'd have to just apologize over and over again. We never paid ourselves. We never paid attention to it. We just constantly emptied the bank account just to keep growing the business or making customers happy we never had a limit and i think that would have changed the game for sure i, I think it would have and i i think it's i think it's tough like i think half the reason i love doing it um with you so much is because we were so similar you know what i mean like the the part we hated the worst was writing invoices to our customers. Like we hated it. Like we would literally sit in the car and be like, no, you bring this one up. Like, no, I don't want to bring this one up. Like after we did like a month of work or like customers that would be like, Hey, thank you so much. This is the best, best thing we've ever had. Like you guys are the greatest. Um, not that it went like that every time, but like even the people that were like ecstatic about like, wow, this was so cheap. We'd be like, no, dude, you bring this one. Like, I don't want it. <laughs> and I think that was like, half like not not half the reason but like i love that about you because like i don't think that's easy to find like i think it's so easy especially when you're starting a business or at any age like to get so transfixed on money um so i love that it was like we're doing this to like grow to like learn about entrepreneurship to grow the business to like do it together and to help people out more than anything instead of like we weren't money focused at all and yes like we should have been tracking finances we should have been doing all that stuff um so it was like a I, I don't, I don't know what the balance is, but that was one thing that I absolutely loved. And like, yes, it was a terrible downfall because we were just, didn't, we'd be like, Hey, you got to wait till the end of the summer to get paid. Cause we don't have any money. Like, and the thing was like, we had plenty like accounts, accounts receivable. I think, um, like people that like, we had plenty of money on the books to be paid. It was just like, yeah, we haven't gave them that invoice yet. Like, 
<laughs> Those were the greatest memories. I still remember when Michael came on board, he looked at it and he's like, you guys have like tens of thousands of invoices that you haven't sent out. And like, this is in high school. So like, that's a lot of money for a high schooler. He's like, yep. what are you doing? We're like, well, we just don't want to do it. Like, it's the worst <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> We've got work to do. Like, we're just going to do the work. We don't have to do the invoices. But I, I agree with you. I think tracking tracking that money um, is in, extremely important. And I think, like, it's a lot easier now because there's a bunch of, like, automatic things that can do it for you. I'm not sure if all that was out or, like, out in the force that it is now when we were around because we were, like, Excel sheets for a while. And when I say Excel sheets, like that was like three years in and we started doing that. And we did it like once a month. We'd be like, let's, we should input some stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, for sure. I, I agree. But that was one thing I loved about it too. Cause I think it's so easy, especially now to be like, oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to start a business to get like, make a quick buck, like make some side hustle. It's not like, oh, I want to grow the business. I want to like be able to teach and, and, and grow like my employee base. I want to help people out so that they don't have to work like after hours, they can spend time with their family. And that's like, I think that's where our vision aligned very well. Um, but we definitely could have, could have <laughs> benefited from a little bit of uh, money management. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know if you remember, cause I don't, do you remember when we started talking again? I have no, no, I, like did we have, so my question to you is going to be like, did we have a, and this, this is obviously a tangent, but like, was there like a, Cause we had to have like that first, like initial talking after I know. Or did, I, like, did it just like, well, everything's good now. Like I, I don't remember. So it must've been just like, well, it's fine. Like, so I'm going to be honest. I do remember it, but I can't remember exactly what we talked about after, b- after about a year, you and I hopped on the phone and I was walking around my apartment parking lot and okay. it was like at the beginning, I was so nervous felt so awkward because I think one of us just texts each other saying, Hey, we just need to talk. Like, probably, I probably didn't spur that since my communication is <laughs> probably but, yeah, not, but, I it, that. but it was pretty much just, we need to talk. We need to figure things out because we went from being brothers to arch enemies. And I don't know, like, can you think of, how we repaired that relationship or do you think it just bounced back once we were like you know what it was a failure it was a mistake that's how you learn and we need to keep moving forward yeah I think that's a tough one and that's one we might not have a great learning point on because I think we were like I I think between between us we were so I mean we are so close that it was just like we're gonna have like something's gonna have to budge here you know what I mean and I think even like when we, the, the day we walked away after the park, it was like, I never want to talk to this guy again. But like in my head, I was like, it's unbelievably unrealistic. Like, you know, you know what I mean? It was just one of those things where I was like, I'm so beyond like, just like stressed out and unhappy with the situation. It's like, I just want to remove myself from it. So I, 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 I don't remember the conversation, but I, I, I will say, I know if it was the first time we talked on the phone, I for sure had like nerves and, and all, all that. Like I was definitely like, oh God, like now again, but I don't remember having to be like, all right, let's like repair this. I remember it being like, from what I remember is like, and we do this all the time, like probably first 15 minutes was like, oh, like cool. Like this happened, this happened. And then by the end it was like nothing had happened, like probably like the exact same. And I think that's just like 
where we probably got lucky because I think if we weren't that good of friends, like we, it probably would have ruined our friend. Like we, there's a good chance, like if, if that happened with anybody else, I probably wouldn't see him again um, or talk to him or like, I mean, you would, but I would never go out of my way to like see or talk, um, let alone start another business and then be in, in your wedding. But um, <laughs> like I, it, I think like that was one place that we got really lucky is because like, in the end of it, it was like, well, we're still like, we're still going to be family. We're still like brothers. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't anything that was going to happen. That was like, um, and aside of like you killing my dog or something that was going to be like, <laughs> this, this is this, but I just like, whatever it was, like, I don't remember at the end of the conversation being like, Oh God, this has to be repaired. It was just like, Oh, another conversation. Like it was just, and maybe you, do you have more context on that? Like, I think we got really, really fortunate that we were as close as we were. Yeah, I think I think we got over it and decided that friendship is more important than the business. And I think I think that's a good jumping off point. So as I've said multiple times, and Brady said too, we're closer than ever. We're starting our second business together, educating entrepreneurs. And before we jump into that, I was curious if we could bring up what happened two weeks ago. Just from a standpoint of how we handled it significantly differently than what we would have done six years ago. Because I think it was really important the way that we separated business and friendship instead of getting all emotional. Yeah. Um, what's, I mean, what's a good way to bring this up that's, that's going to be worthwhile? Um, I think, um, Basically, I'll give the context quick. Okay, yeah, okay. So a couple weeks ago, we were at a pivoting point where essentially, you know, Brady works his butt off over in D.C. He, he's working 18 hours a day, dying every week. But we were kind of at this point with educating entrepreneurs, and this is our new company that we're starting, that we all needed to take a step back and figure out what we wanted. And we had to think about our relationships. We had to think about how we structured the company. And at that point, you know, Brady had just done his taxes and he realized, you know, there are some glaring problems that maybe we hadn't addressed yet from Three Timbers. And they were definitely my fault. They were his fault. And it's just the fact that we had never addressed it. Mm -hmm. So even though we have been fine for five years, there was a problem that we needed to address before Brady could be comfortable moving forward with educating entrepreneurs. So, you know, he called me or I called him and we started talking for just a couple, three hours or something on the phone. It was a long time. And Brady was talking about how he was potentially thinking about walking away from educating entrepreneurs because of some of our past mistakes just because he didn't know if he had the time and on top of the mistakes he didn't know if since we haven't addressed them quite yet if he felt comfortable with it and so I believe and I'm excited to hear Brady's perspective as well in that moment you know we were two best friends that were starting a company and we were going down a dangerous road of exactly what happened with three timbers from the standpoint of when I was on the phone I got heated because I was like, this is our baby. You do not walk away from, from a mistake that I made and I'm not going to let you walk. But the important thing is guys in that, 
this is what I want everyone to really take away from this. Our entire conversation, we said over and over again, what I'm about to say, what I'm about to yell at you for is from the standpoint of business, not friends, nothing. We're perfect as friends. And, you know, when the conversation ended the first time, we were not on the same page. And I wanted to just go the next couple weeks without talking to Brady. And I mean, remember, we're closer than ever right now. Yet still, we had put in some work together and I was pissed off that he might walk away. And, you know, instead of going weeks without talking to each other, Mike, I left him a message after saying, hey, man, I forgot to say I love you at the end of that phone call. It's my bad. And Brady made the effort, even when he probably wasn't feeling like he wanted to talk to me, he called me back, made sure we talked again, and we just worked things out. And that's where I think, that's why I think we have a real chance of building something together, because we're consciously aware of how important the relationships together are, and our ability to slowly work on separating the two, business and friendships, I think it's a game changer for where we want to be. And I think it's a game changer for a lot of business partners. And I think they really need to figure out how to do that. And I want to get your take on the situation now because I just talked a long time. No, I think uh, like uh, – I, so that was way better context than I would have given. So that's really good. Um, so I think ultimately like what underlined it was, yeah, like we we had the conversation. I think one thing that – that maybe we we didn't do in, in three timbers but like has always been like the base of our of maybe like our friendship or whatever is that like we are both like inherently like fiery passionate people you know so when it comes down to something we care about like we're gonna stand like stand in for what like what we care about what we think is true and Truthfully, I think probably towards the end of Three Timbers, we were both just like so apathetic that was just like, I, I don't care what happens. Like, let's just cut this off. Um, so like when we had a conversation a few weeks ago when it was like, hey, one, I, I don't know if I have the time for this. Two, it's going to come to like, if we're going to build this, we're going to start need to sinking money into it again, which we did on a past business. And like you said, we didn't handle well. Um, and like three, I don't know if I want to go down that path again because like we we came at to odds the first time, you know? Um, and I think it was like, it was a very emotionally charged conversation for, for a litany of reasons, right? Like, um, one, it hadn't like, it had never been addressed Two, like it, it was now being addressed. What, like five, like seven years later. Um, so it was probably like a lot of pent up emotion. Um, and I think it was both something that like, we didn't really like, I think we're good at if we plan on something coming up, we're like, okay, I know how to be ready for it. And it was both just like, I think it snowballed to a point where we're like, this is how I feel, which is good because like we needed, to, we needed to like have that conversation. We never had it. Um, anyways, it, it pretty much got to the point of what you were saying is that like, whatever happens here, like we were separating business from like our, our personal life. And I think regardless of what, like what it ultimately came down to was we had, um, not we, I'll, I'll say me, like after going through my stuff, like looking back on our three timber stuff, I had a lack of trust in general, just like with, with starting a business, putting money into a new business. And I was like, 
I've, I've only got an extra how many hours per week that I'm squeezing out to do this. Do I want to start putting money into something and have the same train wreck happen again? Um, and I think what we were able to do for the, for the first time is like, and I, I haven't told you this, but, um, like, I think one thing that I, I, I very much liked is that we could have such a charged conversation and say like exactly how we were feeling. Like we were both very blunt, very upfront. Like nothing was like, nothing was held back. I, I, I didn't feel like, um, but on both sides and at the end of it, we could say like, Hey, like I, I, I see, like I saw your point. I saw my point and I was like, yeah, like these are, these are good. These needed to be talked about. But at the end of the day, like we were, we were ready to like have a charge conversation, but not have it where it's only tied to emotions, right? Like we were both passionate about what was happening, whether I was in or I was out. Um, obviously that affected both of us for the business and, and personally, um, not that the choice would affect us personally, but we just probably be in touch less because it's, it's, we spend so much time together on this. Um, but I think one of the things that really made me like think twice about it was like, he is fired. Like you're fired up about this. I think like it's, it'd be very easy to be like, Oh, so-and-so is like apathetic. Like I'm fired up about something. They're apathetic. Like screw that, you know, but we both came to it and we're like, Hey, like I do care about this. Like I'm willing to like put whatever I say on the line. Like I'm willing to put it out there. And at the end of it, like we were both aiming at the same thing. We both wanted the same outcome, right? We wanted like, we want to build a business. We want a good, like strong, like foundation. We want to grow like both personally and professionally, like all these things, we're both aiming for the same thing. And I was like, well, like we're both arguing for the same points. We just have like a, a like a lot of things coming out at, at the moment. Um, so for me, like it, it, it came down to like in it all was that I, I think at some point, especially in entrepreneurship, I think if we're going to be teaching like what's our ultimate goal. And this is, this is sorry for the word vomit. This is kind of all, all over the place, but our ultimate goal is to, provide value education wise to entrepreneurs, give them, give them experiences, give them the tools they need to help them succeed. Correct. That maybe they may or may not find in a normal education setting. Yeah. And so context guys, this is educating entrepreneurs.com. This is the new company that we're starting and what Brady just said about what we're striving to do is, yeah, we're trying to create a new platform for entrepreneurs that no one has ever seen. And and Brady can piggyback off of this, but we really had a problem with the fact that, you know, we have both been through some type of entrepreneurship program. You know, Brady's been at St. John's in Notre Dame. I've been at University of St. Thomas. And frankly, when I was at the University of St. Thomas, I thought the entrepreneurship program blew. I thought it was horrible. Um. And I mean, I think they had a good network, but beyond that, they didn't teach all the basics to becoming successful. And, you know, Brady and I both, this is where we are similar. We both constantly try to learn. Like, that's what we love doing. And, you know, when you listen to podcasts and you read books, you're listening to people's experiences, but you're listening to essentially someone that's running a billion plus dollar company. So they're giving you experiences that they can relate to in that moment. And in that moment, they can relate to structures and processes 
that have to do with running a billion dollar company. They can't remember all of the little pain points that people feel when they're trying to pursue their passion that involve, you know, filing with the state, like making your first hire, figuring out how to do simple things like run an ad on Instagram, like create websites, all these little things. And we're really focused on trying to teach as we learn. So we're trying to give everyone a roadmap that we personally follow to grow our businesses. And we're trying to give everyone a roadmap that they can then follow and implement to do exactly what we do. And that's the thing. You can find courses out there where people tell you how to run a company, but they're not starting at the beginning. Like we're legitimately, we're making, we're trying to make an entrepreneurship course for dummies. And I just thought about it in that way. Like it's legitimately, we're trying to make it so simplistic and hit so many points that it just changes people's ability to pursue their passion. We're not telling everyone to stop doing their nine to five job. We're trying to encourage people to go explore that extra thing they want to work on outside of their nine to five job and make a little money on top of it so they can continue to fund that. And that's what educating entrepreneurs is. And that's kind of what we'll talk about for the remainder of this podcast, I think. Yep. I, I, I think you, you couldn't have said it better. And I think, I, I think that what kind of spurred this is not only our, our own experiences, but I think this is what we wish we had the first time around, right? Like we wish we had this platform that we could go through and say like, oh, we should be doing this at this point. Oh, this could be a huge help for us. Um, which obviously would have been immensely helpful for the way that we ended up, ended up doing things. Um, but going back to the last point, just to like tie, tie a knot on it, I think ultimately like kind of what, what we're selling, the lifestyle that we're selling, the, um, concepts that we are selling is that if you're going to do this, whether it's you're going in full time and doing it, whether you're doing it outside of your nine to five, whether you're doing it for a hobby, for a business, whatever, whatever you're trying to grow, whatever you're trying to improve, you have to be willing to try those new things, explore those new things. And that inherently comes with fa- failure. If you're not going to be comfortable with that, with failing, moving on, trying again, then it's going to be tough for you. Like th- this, then this isn't the right area for you. Um, so with that thought in mind, after going through everything that we went through, like if I were to say, because we failed in the past, I'm not going to try again now. Like I'm, doing the exact opposite of what we're trying to sell in the first place. And that's obviously not the person that I am. Um, and it's not what we're trying to sell. So I think if, if we're going to be out here preaching, like, Hey, you got to be able to jump on the horse, fall off and get back up on when, when you fail, then we have to be able to do that too. Right. And I I think we do do that in a lot of stuff, but it was ultimately like when things are going to falter, things are going to fail. But if you're, you got to be willing to get back up and try after that. And I think that's obviously we're, we're so far beyond getting back up and trying. We're, we're, we're fully immersed in it. But I think that's, that's where it came down to is like, that's ultimately like what we're trying to provide that, that people can do this, that you don't have to, um, you don't have to do the safe thing every time. Like you can be comfortable with failure. Um, and I I think that's what, what, what I'm excited about for this. And and I I think you feel this, feel the same way. Definitely. And I'm, I think it's really important to touch on one thing that you brought up when we talked about if you were in or out on educating entrepreneurs. And 
you brought it up when we were talking about Three Timbers. You talked about how one of the things you loved about us and Three Timbers is we legitimately focused on the value add for our customers. We didn't care about the money. Honestly, we didn't care to a fault, but we didn't. We cared about sitting there and talking all night with a customer. We cared about making sure it was right even if we lost money on a project. We just cared about improving people's lives. And I think if, you know, with educating entrepreneurs, we're focused on giving people the ability to pursue their passion. But where I wanted to take this kind of is, you know, when you came back and you're like, I'm all in on educating entrepreneurs officially, you really explained why you wanted to do it. And I love the explanation. Yeah, and I, I can I, I can try and hit on everything I hit on then. I I might not, and if I don't, then then you can touch on it. But ultimately, what it was about was what you just said is the reason I so b- before going back, like I I wanted to go into medicine, like I wanted to be a doctor, I wanted to be able to help people, um, and I ended up not going down that road, not because I didn't want to help people, but because I thought there was different ways that we could help people, that I could help people um, broad scale, affect more individuals. Um, and that's ultimately what, what brought me to grad school, what brought me to to where I am now. Um, but at the heart of it all, I think educating entrepreneurs embodies what I wanted to do. And that is help people, provide value to people. Ultimately, I wanted to do it in, in the health space, or I thought I did. Um, but I, I think there's so many ways to do it outside of that. And that's our ultimate goal here. And once I kind of step back and realize that that's what we're working towards, we're working towards what we're building is to provide value to people and help improve their lives, help improve their businesses, help improve their success, whatever that means to them. Um, and that's that's ultimately why I why I do everything that I do. That's what I'm passionate about is is helping people. And I think um, I think we both have that same bug. Like you have something that that itch you can't scratch. Um, and I think that's, that's ultimately like what made me want to come back is that we're trying to provide value to people and improve their life and whatever that means to them. Um, whether that's business, whether that's personal life, I think we, we offer that. Um, and that's ultimately what I wanted to be all in on. It didn't matter about if we made a million dollars or if we made nothing, if we were providing value to people, even if we were provide value to one person, that was, that was enough for me. Um, so once I kind of grappled with the idea of, yes, it's going to take time. Yes. It's going to be outside of what I'm already doing. Yes. There's going to be some nights where I'm going to sleep a little bit less than I should, but, um, ultimately it was working towards that, that, that goal that we had on the wall, that, that bullseye, which is we want to provide value to people's lives. And I think if, if, if that's what we're hitting and that's what we're, what we're providing, no matter what we did, no matter how many hours it took, no matter what hour of the day we were doing it on, I, I was all in on that. And, and for me, that that was kind of my, my turning point of once I stepped back and could look at it from not like the the charged emotional position that I was in, but why am I doing this in the first place? That's that's what got me to this is what I want to do. And that may or may not have touched on what you, you thought I said. No, that is 100 percent what I thought you said. And I want to add to that or really just hit home on a point that Brady made. You know, he brought up right there. He he accepts that it's going to take a lot of time. He accepts that he might not make a boatload of money from it. 
I mean, granted, we're going to try to make money so we can provide more value. There's no better way to prove or disprove an idea or concept. And he's also accepting that, you know, he needs to do his other job as well. So context, you know, a lot of people, you guys are probably listening just thinking, you know, we have all the free time in the world, so it's easy to do side projects that allow us to pursue our passion. It's not true. You know, I work 80-hour weeks, 80-hour plus weeks with Gomahi, my main company. Brady works 80-plus hours a week at his full-time job. And, you know, if you really have a passion or you really want to make a difference in the world, and I think everyone should because I don't believe there's any bigger or better high than impacting someone's life for the positive and in the positive, you know, you can make time. We don't have time and we still make time. You know, we have a separate podcast that we do with our buddies called Pocket Thoughts. And we have to time block this little baby amount of time in between our meetings. And these are usually at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. And there will be times that we're 60 minutes in and we'll have to pause it for 20 minutes for one of us to go hop in another meeting and then get back on the video call. Like, those are just things you have to do. Those are just sacrifices you have to make. And the thing is, it shouldn't feel, it shouldn't feel like this enormous sacrifice if it's something you're very passionate about. Yes, the sacrifice of being tired and kind of feeling like crap does suck, but you should have enough energy behind that that pretty much pushes you to do it every day or pushes you to do it a couple times a week. It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be every minute. It can just be one night a week. Anything you do is ultimately propelling you forward towards this end goal, this bullseye that Brady brought up. And I think that's that's huge to be very aware of. I, I agree with you. And I, I think one one point that's that, that I love is like remembering why you're doing something. So I think it was really easy for me to say like, hey, I I, I this extra like 10, 15, 20 hours a week of work. Like, I, I don't want to do it. I, like, I don't want to make these lesson plans. I don't want to have to write this. Like, I, I'm no, like, I, I'm not a writer. I, why should I be doing this stuff? That's not what I'm passionate about. But like, the reason I was doing it was because I wanted to make that impact on people's lives, provide that value. And once I, like, I went back and I was like, well, that's everything that we do, right? That's, that's the podcast. That's the blogs. That's the videos. That's the, the, our actual, like our full learning content. That's our pieces of learning content. Everything that we do is providing towards that. And once you can step back and say like, oh, this is why I'm doing it. If I just look at it tangentially and say like, oh, I'm just writing, I'm just developing these lesson plans, like whatever, why, like, that's not what I want to do, but it is what I like. It is ultimately what I want to do. It was looking at and remembering why you're in it. Like, and this goes for anything. This goes for hobbies. This goes for your job. This goes for entrepreneurship. Like remembering why you're there, I think makes it feel a lot less like a sacrifice. Cause I definitely got stuck in the idea of like, Oh my God, this is going to be an extra two hours tonight, or this is going to be an extra three hours. But then when you remember why you're doing it, you don't look at it like that. It's like, Oh, this is going to a group of people that are going to see it, that are going to benefit from it. We can learn from that. Um, and once you, you remember who, who that's impacting and where that's going towards, I think it's a lot easier to say like, oh yeah, I'll stay up till two o'clock and do that. Like, that's no problem. 
it's different when I'm just like writing it by myself and it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, it's just me here doing all this stuff, you know? Um, but I, I think that's a great point that you brought up is like remembering why you're there and like what you're trying to do. Cause I think that helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. How do you, I'm curious now, how do you personally balance the 80 hour weeks and then pursuing your passion on the side? It's a good question. So I, and I don't think everybody's like this and you're probably in the same boat here, but, um, I like kind of like the balancing multiple plates at once, if you want to call it that, because I get, I can dial into to my job for 12, 14, 16 hours at a time. No problem. When I'm doing that five, seven days in a row or three weeks in a row or two months in a row, it gets to me, it gets very repetitive. Like, yes, I, I, I work out in that time. Yes, I get out and I'll maybe go for a hike or, or do something else to get my mind off the work. But more or less, it's shut your laptop and you're opening the laptop to do the same thing every morning. So even after a 12 or 14, 16 hour day, what's I, what I like, what I enjoy is saying like, oh, I'm going to get a reprieve from this work by doing other work. And that sounds like outrageous. And I think you're probably in the same boat as me. But like me just knowing I can open my laptop and from like, 11 o'clock at night till 2 a.m. I get to work on something else. Like to me, it's like refreshing. So yes, I might get like two hours less of sleep or um, I might wake up a little bit groggy, but I don't feel like I'm closing and like opening the same exact thing every single day. This gives me like a little break from that. And yes, it's an extra 10, 12, 20 hours a week, depending on the week, but um, it gives me a reprieve. It's, it's the same for me. It's the same as going and getting a workout not the exact same, but it's like getting my mind in a different mindset. It's creative. It's um, like kind of like designer focused. Like how do we bring this to people? Um, how do we get the, how do we help them get the most of it? Um, so for me, it's not so much as like, oh, how do I find time? It's like, oh, this is going to give me a nice little break tonight. I really need it. I spent 16 hours on my standard job today. And now I get to spend like my creative um kind of like give back if you want to say it's side um so for me it, it gives me a little break and although like i guess that is still like more work it, it makes me feel way more refreshed the next day to do the the work that um I, I'm, I'm like currently working on for my job and i don't know where you sit on that so that's a good question that's that's where i sit as well i think i am more productive if i have more if i'm juggling more mm-hmm. Because it makes me, really, it makes me time block and schedule my life more efficiently. It makes me do more in a day because I just, I have responsibilities coming at me and from so many different directions. If it's real estate or educating entrepreneurs or go mahi or e-payer or whatever it is. And I just think, you know, I have a very similar approach as Brady, but What's important to understand is what Brady said there was it's not him working at his job any less. Like he's still putting in his hours and whether you work 80 hours a week or 40, if you say, you know what, I'm going to pursue my passion, don't go and screw your employer, like put in your 40 and then put in an extra 20 into your passion. Don't work on your passion project for 10 hours while you're supposed to be working for that company. Like, that's just not morally 
the right thing to do. It's just, there's no integrity there. So, you know, I see, I see a big problem with individuals that are starting their careers that go, you know what? I have this great idea on top of this company I'm working at. Like I'm working nine to five and I have this great idea. I'm going to actually just start working on the idea from three to five when I'm at work and then I'll go home and hang out. And it's like, wait, what? No, that's, that's not how it works. Like you have to add that time to your work life and you have to replace the TV time. You have to replace the video game time. You have to replace going out at night. And I know that's really hard and I know you might not do it at the beginning, but when you start doing it consistently, you develop habits and it allows you to start pursuing that thing you want to do. And that ultimately allows you to start living your best life. And I think anyone listening to this will not understand it because they've never experienced it. And there's really no way to convince someone to do this because it's not the norm and you're going to be a little left out at times. But it is so worth it. It's unbelievable. And I think we could talk about this forever. So I'm almost, I'm sorry to the audience. I'm so sorry, but we are definitely going to be doing a part three because we (laughs) haven't even dove into educating entrepreneurs. We haven't dove into what we found that entrepreneurs need. And really it applies to all people starting in the business world, or it really applies to anyone. Someone could be 40 years into an industry. It just, it applies to them. So we're definitely going to have to do that in the part three. Um, so, so sorry, Brady. So sorry to everyone else because I still have a lot of questions that I need to go through. But we always do our quick fire. So we're going to do the quick fire still anyway. So hang in there, guys. I know we're going to go a little long, but it just is what it is. So random question that we got from the audience this week is... What is your serial killer quality? My serial killer quality. Oh, that's good. Um, I I think in the, this might uh I I wouldn't say this is a serial killer quality, but I I think pe- people would say about me that I <laughs> I kind of like if I need if something needs to get done, like everything else in the world shuts off. So like, so like whether it's like our, our work, like with educating entrepreneurs or our work with my company, like if there's like, Hey, there's a job by Monday and it's Monday and it's going to take 24 hours of work to do. Like, well, my schedule is getting cleared. And like, if I don't sleep for three days, I'm not sleeping for three days. Like I will do like to the ends of the earth, um, whatever it takes to, to get that done. Um, so in this scenario, you'll do anything it takes to kill some people. <laughs> <laughs> so like trans, that's why I was saying, like, I don't think it's a quality in that scenario, but yes, in the same scenario, like if you were to translate it, I think that's how it translates to a serial killer quality. So, um, <laughs> don't, don't ask me to do anything weird, but, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> what? And you know what? Actually, I'm going to answer these with you. Cause I was yeah, trying to think I, of I them really too. Wanna, I really want to hear these. So. I think my serial killer quality and I, I pride myself on the constant innovative thinking. Like I will sit there and just think over and over again. And like, you've seen it, like I'll text the group at three in the morning being like, Hey, I was just thinking about this. Like we need to think through how we're going to add this to the course or we're going to do this or that. 
I think if I was a serial killer, I would just stay up all night figuring out how I'd get rid of the body. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, everyone who's listening to this, but I have come up with some, oh man, I shouldn't admit this on a podcast, but <laughs> I've come up with some great ideas of how I would get rid of bodies. I've thought about them for years. I'm not planning on killing anyone, just so everyone knows. <laughs> You're suspect number one if anyone goes missing here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that ability to plan, oh, man, serial yeah. killers. Good, good random question from the audience this week. I kind of like that one. And that is good. honestly, it's been in the queue for a while, but I haven't felt comfortable asking any guests. But you. <laughs> okay, second question, and we've we've done these three before, but I don't think that means there can't be multiple answers. You know, okay. so. What skills does a young professional need to have straight out of college? We've asked you this before. What do you think right now in this moment? Yeah, in this moment, um, I think it's a willingness to learn. I think it's a willingness to fail. And I think it's taking responsibility for your actions. Um, so, so really quickly going over those. Um, willingness to learn. I think people, people play it safe a lot in a first job. Like, Oh, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to take on too much work. I think the way that, that you, you grow and you, you move on in, in your own life and your professional life is to take on those extra opportunities to take on those extra, um, kind of learning opportunities to do that. Um, willingness to fail, I think is inherent to anything. Like, I, again, I think people want to play it so safe because like, oh, I don't want my boss to see me fail. I don't want my, my coworkers to see me fail. Um, if you're starting a business, like I don't want, I don't want my family or any of my customers to see me fail. Um, and I, I think that keeps people in this like 60% box where like you can do great, but you have no idea what a hundred percent looks like if you're not willing to step outside that box. Right. Um, so I like, the, the, I think that's a short description on, on like the, the two, um, willingnesses and then taking on responsibility. I think one asking if you do want more work, you want it, you, if you want to raise, you want a, a new role, you want to try something new, you have to be willing to step up and ask for it because people can't read minds as much as we think they can. Like people aren't going to know what you want. And, um, the second part of that is when it's going to happen. Like you're going to screw up. Bad things are going to happen. Like you have to own it. Um, because nobody likes when you come to them and say like, Oh, well I didn't have enough time. Oh, my computer crashed. Oh, like this, this, I didn't understand the deadline, like own up to it. Um, figure out what you did wrong and fix it for next time. But I think like willingness to learn, willingness to fail and like being able to take responsibility in any situation and asking for responsibility is, um, huge, huge steps for a young professional in, in the workplace. I would say mine is ego. And this is one that I really struggle with. And I'm really consciously trying to get better at it. Um, I believe as a young professional, you need to put your, be able to push your ego aside and be very willing to listen to other people's experiences and pinpoint what you want to apply to your life you have to be able to take criticism and you have to put others in front of yourself and 
that all has to do with your ego. And if you're willing to do those three things, you're going to grow and you're going to explode in the workplace very fast because that's just, that's a game changer because a lot of us want to protect ourselves. I'm one of them. I'll do anything to protect myself. I want to protect my image. You know, I was bullied a little bit as an elementary school kid and I still think back to it. Like, and I still want, yeah. Oh yeah. For good reason. But I still want to protect Bob, you know, and I'm slowly working on eliminating that from my life because even with you, you know, that we brought what we brought up earlier when you talked to me about leaving educating entrepreneurs because of something I did, I wanted to go into my con- my cocoon and just protect myself and say, get the heck out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to protect me. I need to protect my image. And I don't want to deal with this. Instead mm-hmm. of being like, my fault, my bad. I will do anything to get you on this team. So I think ego is a big one as well. Good. Yep, love that. So the third thing, what do you believe needs to be sacrificed for success? Uh, that's tough. I mean, I think I think at the end of it all, like it all comes down to what do you prioritize? Um you're going to I think you're going to have to I think in my opinion, you have to sacrifice like the sexy, glamorous like I'm the greatest person in the world and I have all these things to get to where you want to go. Whether that's, um, whether that's going out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or I mean Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever it is that you you go out, um, whether it's like spending like your extra six hours on a night playing like video games and TV because it feels comfortable versus like working on something hard. Um, whether that's choosing to spend like, $300 on a gym membership instead of $10 and having like Netflix and Hulu. Um, I think like taking control of what you can control, um, and then deciding what you prioritize, like maybe like video games is what you love. But, um, for most people, I don't think that's the case. I think it's something that makes them feel comfortable. Like when you go and watch TV or, um, you sit like in, and browse the internet or whatever. But I think like all that, like sexy, glamorous stuff, is looks really good on paper like oh look at my a thousand likes on instagram look at my five thousand likes because i took this like sexy picture and a beach in cabo like that's awesome but like what is that doing for yourself unless like you're getting ads and promotions on instagram which very few of us are um but i i think like giving up those those things that like on the outset everybody's like oh my god like what a great life like they go to um the equinox gym they they um have like all these, um, they have the nice, the really nice clothes and they're at the, the, the club with the private table like that. That's great. But, um, like you driving a Lamborghini doesn't mean like you're successful. It just like means that's what you're like putting, putting your stuff into. So I think it's, it's what you prioritize and giving up those things that aren't like from the outside look good, but really don't do anything for you or other people personally. Yeah. And I think mine is kind of like that. I think you have to sacrifice fitting in. Perfect. Yep. I think that's, yep. Because I just think about it, you know, if you really want to be successful, you really have to put in the work. And for you to really put in the work or do things differently in a way that, I mean, let's be honest, to be successful, you have to be different. 
Mm-hmm. It's just the truth. You can't be like everyone else and be a success or else everyone would be a success. So in that case, when you have to be different, you do not fit in. <laughs> like, like I can still think back to the way Brady and I were in high school. You know, at any party, we were going out on a walk because we wanted to talk through our stuff. We were sitting in a gym working out instead of going out. We were, it doesn't matter what it was. We didn't fit in. We always had friends, but realistically, I mean, to this day, if I'm, if I show up to a large gathering, I have a lot of anxiety inside because I know I'm not going to fit in whatever with whatever everyone else is talking about. I'm just not going to because I can't relate because frankly, I don't, I'm not trying to fit in. I got to do my own thing, but that's really hard on the road to success. And I think, I think that's one that a lot of people don't realize has to happen. Kind of. I I agree. I think that uniqueness, like you're out, you're obviously, if you want to do something different, you're going to have to go against the grain. Um, I, I really love that point because I, I, you're not saying like, if you care, like you care about working out, like giving up that, that two hour workout, like if that's what you care about, like get in the gym and do that. If that's going to make you more productive outside of that, that doesn't say like, don't see people or, or be social. Like you can do that. How often are you doing that? How are you spending your time? Like, wh- what else are you sacrificing? I, but I, I agree with you that you're gonna have to be against the grain. That's that's a that's a great point. So last well, one. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm very intelligent. My ego <laughs> is very big. So the fourth one, last one, and then we can wrap this thing up. What is one life hack a student of business should apply to their life this week? That's good. Um, and I, I think I'm going to say this and a lot of people are going to say like, no shit, but, um, sitting down and figuring out where you spend your time. I think that is like the biggest, the most impactful thing that you can do right now to figure out, like, it's really easy to say like, Oh, I worked like nine ish hours today. And then I like opened up my computer and did like another hour of work. It's different when you sit down and say like, and you don't have to do this every single day, but do it for a week. You'll, you'll get a good picture of what you do. Like I woke up at five o'clock. I brushed my teeth from like five to five Oh five. I was in the shower from five Oh five to five fifteen. Then I went to work out from this time. And then like I was driving in the car from this time. I ate lunch from 12 to twelve fifteen, And then I was back in the office doing this, or maybe you were in the office, but you were like watching videos or, or reading articles or something. I think like, micromanaging that time to say like, cause at the end of the day, at the end of the week, what you're going to find out in everyone's case, even like for, for myself, when I do this, it's like, holy shit, I thought I was super busy, but I had three hours where I was doing nothing today. Whether it was like driving in the car or eating, like how can I maximize those hours? How can I get more out of those hours so that I'm spending them to the best of my ability? Um, and that doesn't mean running yourself dry, but for me, um, going down to the minute on how you spend that time and what you do, I think is absolutely invaluable and I truly didn't do it until like the last two years and you realize like, Oh my God, I'm so busy. But like, where am I spending that busy, that busy time? Um, for me that, that personally, I I don't think that I think that's step one in, in starting anything. Yeah. And I think just to piggyback off of that before I say mine, just to help you guys with this little life hack to apply to your life. I personally use something called a tracker. It's a, it's an app on your, on an iPhone, you can find all types of apps that will pretty much track your time. 
and I actually do do exactly what Brady's talking about. I have a list of all of my tasks, really just all of the companies I run, all the time I spend at the gym doing fun things, driving, stuff like that. And I legitimately, when I move from one task to the next, I click on it and I track my hours. Like I've had my hours tracked for the last 12 months. I can look at all the data, what I do on like daily averages, weekday averages, weekend averages, and I can look at where I'm spending my time and I can reevaluate. And it is so important. So you should definitely do that this week. My life hack this week. I don't know if you'd really be a life hack, but I just encourage everyone to do this this week. I want you to go out and do one thing this week that makes you feel uncomfortable. One thing. And you know, I've done this before and I can't remember if it was something that Tim Ferriss encouraged everyone to do or not, but he said, you know, everyone feels uncomfortable. So I, they just, they don't take a lot of chances. So just go to a mall, lay on the ground in the middle of the mall and just look like an idiot because that's as uncomfortable as you can ever feel. And then you can go out and you can accomplish your day differently because you're willing to feel discomfort. So I don't think you necessarily have to go to your mall. We don't need thousands of people laying there in the middle of a mall. But what I do want you to do is go do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, whether you go to a counter and ask for 50% off or ask for a dollar off, or whatever it is, you just need to feel that feeling that you get when someone says no to you, or rejects you, and then accept that, and move forward. That's what I want everyone to do this week, on top of Brady's life hack. Do you do you mean this, and I, I, I know this is the quick fire, but do you mean this in a, in a strictly, like, feeling uncomfortable in front of someone else, or feeling, like, personally just feeling uncomfortable? Because I, I don't, I, I like what you're saying, I think, um, I've heard this a, a lot a, a, around a, a bunch of different like angles. Um, but I think you can, you can feel uncomfortable without like having to feel uncomfortable because someone else is making you feel uncomfortable. If that I makes think, sense. Like, I think that's huge. Yeah. You don't have to do it in front of someone because maybe your thing that makes you feel uncomfortable isn't involved with a human being. Yeah. Maybe it's singing in the mirror and staring yourself in the eyes while you do it. It doesn't Seriously, matter. Just, Yep. I agree. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that because I really like that one. Yeah. So just get over your fear this, this week. Just do it. Sweet. So we went a long time. We didn't get to half of the questions that we were going to cover today, which is not a problem. So there will be a part three in the, in a couple months from now, as long as you guys continue to listen, don't hate us or me. Yeah. So Brady Reesgraff, thank you for joining the show absolute pleasure like always thank you for going on all those tangents and (laughs) i love it yeah no as always love being here thanks for listening to master the start hosted by bobby mason and presented by gomahi.com just a few key points from this week's episode communication is key make yourself reachable and make the concerted effort to reach out to both business partners and friends alike, especially when it feels difficult. Be willing to learn. Take on extra learning opportunities to grow your personal and business acumen. Be willing to fail. You won't know what your best efforts can produce if fear and failure paralyzes your performance. Put your ego aside and take responsibility for your actions. Lastly, prioritize your time. 
Track your daily activities for one week, and you'll be astonished at the time you can carve out to work on mastering the start for your business.